Good evening and welcome to our service this evening. My name is Vicky. I'm one of the ministers here at Romford Baptist Church and I'm going to be sharing the service with Jan who will be coming later to share God's word with us. As we look around, there are all sorts of signs of spring coming on its way. And Psalm 65 verse 8 says this, The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. And there is that lovely sense, isn't there, when, when the sun's out and you look around and the leaves are just coming out and the buds on the trees are turning into blossom and you look in your gardens and, and there's new life and, and there's the opportunity to know you can go back out into your gardens and begin to enjoy them once again, that you recognise that we all recognise that the whole of this earth is filled with awe at the wonders of creation. And again, we go back to that series that we did in the autumn where we looked at each day of creation and we realised just how great God is. And no wonder then that we should be sending out and shouting out um, moments of joy and thanksgiving to God. And we're going to do that as we sing our first song, All Heaven Declares. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we do indeed declare and thank you for who you are and all that you have given to us. As we listen to the bird song, as we see the beauty of creation unfolding before us, we recognise your hand as the creator. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, you created all that we are able to enjoy, from the beautiful sunrises in the morning until it sets in the evening. Father God, you love us. You are part of each and every aspect of our day. And Father, we pray that as we worship with you tonight through our sung worship, through our reading, through listening to your word, through our prayer times, that Lord God, we will once again declare you as heaven declares you as the Lord, as the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that, Lord, you loved us so much that you came down to earth to be with us and to enable us to come back to you. Father God, for that we thank you and we give you all the praise and all the honour. Amen. John, 3, uh, John 1, uh, we are reminded of so often that the word became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood amongst us. That sense in the message version of, of God leaving, the Son of God leaving heaven and coming down into earth and living amongst us to enable us to go back into that relationship with our Heavenly Father because of God's love for us. And we're going to be reminded of that as we sing our next song, Light of the World. I'm going to use a prayer now that's based on the well-known prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and it's an adaptation by Dave Hopwood. And I pray that as we share and listen to these words, we are able just to say sorry for maybe the things that we've done wrong this week, and to also think about how our behaviour has impacted on others. Let us pray. Our Father, who lives in heaven, we want to, to praise you and say how wonderful you are. May we do the things that you want us to do and do our best to live our lives according to the values of heaven. 
Please show us how to do this and give us all the things we need. Help us not to be selfish. We are sorry for the times when we have been selfish. In fact, we are sorry for all the things we have done wrong. We remember all those who have annoyed us, hurt us or upset us, and we ask for your help to forgive them. Please keep us away from the things that are not good for us and help us when we want to do the things that are wrong. Help us to resist the temptations that distract us, but instead to focus on you and all the good things you do for us. Because you have made everything, you own everything, and you love everyone, and you are God forever. Amen. It's good, isn't it, sometimes to hear those words so familiar to us that we say sometimes automatically, week by week. But as I've just used these words by Dave Hopwood, we're going to have the Lord's Prayer again signed to us this time by Burnt. And as we listen again to these words and watch the actions, let us think again about what God has done for us and how our behaviour can impact on one another and how we need to keep holding on to not falling into temptation. Thank you, Bernd. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And so we pray again. And this time we're going to pray for one another and for our world. Let us pray. Creator God, who made our beautiful world, who has appointed us as its guardians and gifted us everything that we need to care for us, forgive us for the times that we cause it harm. Lord, help us to care for the world of which we are guardians, to help rebuild lives and communities by the way that we are looking after your world, in the way that we think about our rubbish and our waste and the way that we care for the world in which we live. Father God, as we look around our world, we recognise that, yes, there are some great things happening, but Lord, there are also times when we abuse and give grief to the world in which we live. You want us, Lord, to sing with all creation our praise and our wonder, and yet, Lord, across our world, people hunger and thirst because of the way that our actions impact on them. Father God, we lift before you those around our world who struggle, who are struggling because of 
uh, lack of food, lack of water to enable their crops to grow, who are ill-treated uh, for the way that they are caring for the world and what they are being paid for doing that. Because, Lord, we have people in charge who don't care about their employees, but just about how much profit they can make. Lord, as we think about goods that are fairly traded, as we think about um, charities such as Tradecraft, Father God, may we think about the actions that we take on and the decisions that we make and help us to take care of your creation. Lord, you made the earth and you saw that it was good, but like robbers, we have stripped it of its treasures. Open our eyes, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we pray for our family and our friends and our neighbours and those who live around us. As Lord, day by day, their lives continue as ours do. And yet so often we have little care for them. Lord, for those that we know within our fellowship and within our families and friends who are really struggling at this time, right now, we bring them before you. We share, Lord, in their griefs and in their anxieties. Father, we bring them before you and we name them in our heart and we ask that, Lord, they will know a touch from you. Lord God, we ask that you will be with those who are grieving, grieving because they have lost loved ones, grieving because they have lost their employment, grieving because their situation has changed and they've had little ability to do anything about it. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving because they are not able to see their family members or their loved ones, grieving for what the future will look like, which is so different to the hopes and dreams that they had in the past. Father God, we know and you know far better than we do of those for whom their dreams have been shattered and their lives turned upside down. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may show your love and compassion to those that we know and those that need to know a touch from you. We bring them before you now. And Father God, we pray too for those who continue to work in our emergency services. Lord God, wherever they are, whatever they are facing, Lord, may they have a strength and a peace from you this day. Lord, for the impact of these last number of months that have had on them, Lord, may you just enable them to know your peace and your well-being. Father, we pray for our government and for the governments of our world. As Lord, they seek to work together, even though when we listen to our news, it seems that we are working against one another. Father God, so often we are driven by things that are of self rather than of you. Help us to act as proper neighbours and people who do not pass by on the other side when we think about our, our, our government and our leaders and our world. Help us to not think that we are too small to make a difference because it, we know that it's through our prayers we can make a difference. So open our eyes, Lord, 
to see your world as you see it and help us to have that care and that compassion for the world in which we live. And Father God, as we come towards an end of our time of prayer, we bring before you now, in a particular way, those who are just heavy on our hearts because of what has happened to them within this last few days. Lord, draw near to them, we pray. Give them your peace. May they know your hand of love upon them. And Father, as we bring our time of prayer to an end, Father, we want to give thanks to you once again. We thank you for all that you give to us. We thank you that we can come to you in prayer. We thank you that we acknowledge just what a difference you make in our daily lives. And Lord, as we thank you, we thank you too for the faithfulness of those who continue to give week by week to the work of your, your ministry here in this place, but further afield too. Father God, we thank you for every gift that comes in. And however it is used, Lord, we thank you that you are helping to show us the way that we can make a difference in the lives of people here, in this, in this town and in this country, but also across our world. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. In all that we give to you, we pray that it will be used in your service. Amen. We're going to sing again, reminding us that God, uh, that he is the word of God the Father. And following that, there will be a reading, uh, our reading tonight, which is Matthew 25, this time being read by David Suchet. And, uh, and after that, Jan will come and bring God's word to us this evening. Matthew chapter 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. 
Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was ill and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or needing clothes, or ill, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I wonder when you look at scripture if there are passages which don't make much sense to you or perhaps you you read but you don't really like them. We certainly have passages that are our favourites don't we? I'm sure that most of us have passages that we're less keen on. Well this whole chapter was a little bit like that for me so when I was told that I was going to be preaching on it my heart sank a little bit because it's one of those passages that I'm not sure that I'm that comfortable with I'm not sure that I like what is being said. Therefore, I clearly haven't really understood it, have I? So actually, after my heart sank a little bit, I reeled it back in and thought, what a great opportunity to look at God's word and to try and get deep into it. Let's understand a passage that perhaps is a little bit trickier. Our theme for tonight is getting ready. And this entire chapter of Matthew's gospel is filled with the words of Jesus himself. Jesus, who was drawing near to the end of his life. It quite possibly was his very final week. And so we can be certain that the words he said, the stories he told in that final week of real weight are really important for us. And so we need to stop along with the disciples to really understand what Jesus was saying, because they must be of quite a, a high significance for us. We don't want to just hear these words, but tonight I hope that we can understand what's being said within them. The passage we're looking at tonight is called part of the Olivet Discourse. And in Matthew's Gospel, there are five large discourses of Jesus, five large conversations that he has. And this is the fifth one, the final one before it leads up to his passion. In it, we see Jesus answering the questions that the disciples have raised after Jesus had said that the temple is going to be torn down. The disciples want to know when this is going to happen. What would be the sign of Jesus's return? And they wanted to ask about the signs of the end of the age. In the previous chapter, chapter 24, Jesus talked about the signs of the tribulation culminating in his return to earth. But in this section, the section we're going to look at tonight, verses 1 to 30, Jesus' emphasizes, sorry, Jesus emphasis is on the fact that the Lord is delaying his return. At the end of the chapter... It moves on and describes the final judgment. But most scholars believe that these first 30 verses are very much about us in the present age in which we're living right now. 
So that's pretty exciting, isn't it? We're looking tonight at verses that have been written down specifically for the time in which we, the church now, are living as we await Christ's return. What makes these passages uncomfortable is because each story is a story of judgment on a believer or at least those who profess to faith. Whilst everyone who's trusted in Jesus as their saviour is going to heaven, not every believer is quite yet ready for that. They're not quite ready to meet their Lord and that's part of the challenge of these verses. When Jesus returns and takes his church to heaven, he'll sit on his judgment seat and judge his own people. It's interesting, isn't it? It's rarely something that I've ever heard teaching on. Jesus won't be judging our sins because they've already been judged. They've already been dealt with through the cross, through the death of Jesus himself. Our sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away. But what he will judge are our works and will give rewards to those who have earned them. So the first parable is that of a wedding which in those days was split into two parts. The first part was where the groom would leave and head off and he would go to the parents' house of the bride and would claim her for his own. And then the second part of the wedding is where they come back to his house and they have a huge wedding banquet. This would be a protracted ceremony, lasting anything up to two weeks. Can you imagine (laughs) if we think that weddings are expensive now and they only last one day? Be glad, parents. Weddings in those days could last up to two weeks. That is some celebration and must have been quite some cost. We as a church are the bride of Christ. And for the past 2,000 years, we have known that Jesus will return. But I wonder if we're really honest for a moment, How excited does that make you feel? A wedding's full of excitement, isn't it? And in those days when they were waiting for the groom and the bride to return, there would have been a real sense of excitement. How excited are we? Perhaps with the virus over this past year, you've thought a little bit more about the end days and you desired the return of Jesus to stop the suffering that we're witnessing across the world seeing pictures of row upon row of coffins lined up waiting to be buried has really been stark, hasn't it? Seeing people crying on the news because they've lost multiple members of their family to COVID has been utterly heartbreaking. This past year has certainly been a reminder that we are living in the last days and maybe more than normal, we have yearned for the return of Christ. If we feel like this, then our response needs to be a sense of urgency to tell the world, to tell our neighbour, to tell our friends and family about the importance of knowing Jesus as their saviour. We need to be sharing that good news and their need for a saviour. There's that sense of being ready like bridesmaids who got it right in the story. Those ones who had had their oil in their lamp and were ready But sadly, far too often, our response as believers is little more than lethargic. We remain unexcited and uninspired about the soon coming of our Lord. And as a result, there's little effective witness coming from us. It's not a comfortable conversation, is it, tonight? 
I personally can find endless excuses as to why I haven't shared my faith very well. And the biggest reason would be that I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset my friends or my family. But actually, what's really important is that we learn how to use those opportunities well. The opportunities that are given to us, we need to use them sensitively. But at the same time, realising the urgency of the message of gospel hope that we offer. Time is short. The bridegroom is returning and we have an important job to do. Let's not forget it. Let's not get slack and let's seize each opportunity, even over this coming week, whatever our week comes to us, because we don't know when the groom is coming back. The oil in the story is also significant. Throughout scripture, oil is used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And in this parable, it's no different. There's that sense of needing the Holy Spirit's presence to fill and to empower, filling the lives of those who are awaiting the return of Christ. For those who had no oil when the groom returned, they were unable to enter the wedding banquet. They were left outside. They, those who had the oil were welcomed in to celebrate with the groom. I guess it's this part of the story which has often sat so uncomfortably with me. The fact that some who are invited are no longer welcome. This parable certainly suggests that not every professing Christian will enter heaven. That there will be some who are Christian in name but who don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. Who therefore don't have the Holy Spirit living in them who don't know God as their father. Their lamps on the outside look great. They're fabulous people doing wonderful stuff. They appear amazing, but actually there's no oil in them. Someone may seem like a good Christian, but it's an outward act. They haven't received Jesus as their Lord and their saviour. That's a hard thought, isn't it? It's a hard-hitting story which Jesus is giving here, which demands that each one of us ensure that our salvation is real and that we are alert to the fact that we are awaiting the return of the Lord. Do we know that we are saved? Did we invite Jesus into our life and really mean it? Because if we did, then we're secure. The Holy Spirit has come into our hearts and lives and we are Christ's. But we need to be sure that we have done that and that Jesus truly is our saviour. Two other thoughts that come to mind when you read this parable is one, the fact that you can't borrow other people's faith. Our faith is personal. It's about the individual relationship with Jesus. We can't save someone else. As the bridesmaids couldn't share their oil, neither can we pour the Holy Spirit from our hearts into the lives of anybody else. It's God's work. It's him living in us. And we can't fill up other people in that sense. Yes, we can and we must share our faith. Yes, we can and we should pray that our brothers and sisters are filled with God's spirit. But actually, it's for the individual themselves to receive that gift of God the gift of salvation. It's for every individual to respond to God for themselves. Every individual is responsible to allow God to wash them clean and to forgive them, to cleanse them by the blood of Christ, to fill them with his spirit 
It's an individual response. The other thought that arises from this parable is that when it comes to salvation, there can be a time when it is too late. The groom returns, half the bridesmaids weren't ready and they were left outside, they weren't allowed in. Don't leave off asking God into your life as your Lord for another day. Don't delay, respond to him, ask him in, be ready, be prepared to meet your maker whenever that might be. And then we move on to the second story in the parable. The second story, which feels full of judgment and fear and anxiety. Sounds like a good one again, doesn't it? A talent was worth about 20 years wages. So we're talking about a lot of money here. The average full-time wage in the UK in 2020 apparently was £30,800, which if you times it by 20, gives you about £616,000. So the first guy, he got given approximately £3 million. The second guy, he got nearly £2 million. And the last guy, he got £600,000-plus. According to each person's gifting and ability, they were given money to use. This meant that each person was given the opportunity to shine as much as they were able to. No one was overburdened, but each one was given a gift according to what they could cope with. The two faithful servants, they took their talents and they put them to work and at the end of their faithfulness, their hard work is rewarded. They're promoted from servants to rulers. They've been faithful with a few things and because of their response, they're trusted with many things. Their faithfulness gave each of them a capacity for greater service and responsibility. The third servant, however, didn't take up the opportunity because he was so afraid of failure, he never even tried to be successful. He was fearful and his anxieties paralyzed him, preventing him from even trying to use the gift that he'd given. So he hides it, he buries it. He doesn't even put it in the bank. This servant didn't receive a portion like the others at the end. In fact, what he had was now taken away. As believers, we're all given different gifts, but we're all called to use them, whatever they are. Sometimes we meet people who seem to be absolutely overflowing with abundant gifts. They're so unbelievably gifted that we might feel completely useless in comparison. But that is so very far from the truth. God gifts all of us according to our abilities. For those to whom many gifts are given, they have the ability to use them and they must use them to the best of their ability. For those who have been given lesser gifts, they too must use those gifts to the absolute best of their ability. God knows how he has made us and knows how much each of us can take. He gives us according to our ability he doesn't give us more than we can manage, and he also doesn't give us less than we can manage. Each of us has just the right amount of gifting, according to our abilities and according to the path he's set out for each of us to do. 
The big question in this parable is how are we using the investment which God has given to us? God has invested in each one of us. Isn't that a lovely picture? God's invested in you. He's invested in me. What a lovely sense to be invested in. When I think about investing in people, mainly we invest in those that we care about, don't we? When I was working with the young people, I had a real sense of wanting to invest into them. Here were their young lives, all very different from one another, but ahead of them lay their futures. And I wanted to know that each one of them, I wanted each one of them to know that they had great worth, that each one of them had exciting opportunities and possibilities ahead of them. I wanted to invest my time and energies and particularly my faith in them to see how they would fly. God has invested in each one of us. How will you use what he has placed inside of you? As the church begins to reopen, what better time than to stop and prayerfully consider how you're going to use the gifts that God has given to you? What are you doing with that which is invested in you? What can you do? What roles has God equipped you to perform? How can you maximise your service through using the gifts that God has given to you? What special opportunity we have been blessed with at this point in our lives to be able to stand back and to reassess exactly what we're doing as a whole church and as individuals? Often it can be quite hard in a church to step down from a role that you've been doing for years. But right now, each one of us have been given a clean slate, so to speak. We've all been given an opportunity to prayerfully seek how God would use us as we move forward. That doesn't mean giving up a role that you've been doing for years and stepping back. But it may mean giving up a role that you've been doing for years to step into a new role. One which utilises the gifts that God has given you. It really is a special opportunity and time in our lives and the life of this church. It's as though as volunteers, everybody's had a furlough. We've been given a chance to step back, but now we're about to enter a new phase of stepping back in. And so as a leadership team, we welcome you back. I can't tell you how much with open arms. And we look forward to once again serving alongside with each one of you, using each of our talents our gifts, the investment that God has placed in this fellowship. Don't allow fear or anxiety to get in the way of you using that which God has invested into you. Don't be like that third person who hid his gift away because he was too scared to use it. Seek God's heart for you. And step forward to volunteer knowing that God has invested those gifts in you. He knows you. You are of so much worth to him. Open the wings that he has given you and see how high you can fly. What beauty you can know as you serve him. Two parables, two similar stories about what we are doing right in the here and now whilst we wait for the Lord's return. The theme tonight was about getting ready. Jesus was getting ready for his death. 
And he wanted to share these words with his disciples, words that were so important about being ready for his return and making sure that we're doing everything in the meantime that he has called us to do. Within the parables, there are stark warnings to us as believers to live with the knowledge that Jesus is imminently about to return. Today, as I preach this, it's actually the 22nd of February. It's a Monday afternoon and it's wet and drizzly outside. But you know what? I might be preaching this now to myself because by the 7th of March, we might never show it because Jesus may have returned in the meantime. Wouldn't that be amazing? To remember that Jesus could return any day should affect the way that we live, the way in which we prepare our hearts and walk with God, the way in which we use our gifting, the investment that he has placed within us. We need to share that good news, don't we? Our world so needs it, especially after COVID. These two parables remind us that we need to be thinking about the Lord's return. We need to be prepared. We need to be faithful in his service as we wait. We should be watching, witnessing, working as we prepare and wait for his return. One other thought that strikes me, though, as I read these parables is that of joy. When you're preparing to go for, to a wedding or when you're at the wedding, it's such a, 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 an emotion of joy, isn't there? And celebration of hope and just expectation for the future and laughter. It's a real celebration. And in some ways, I would think that those two servants who took their money and used it also had a sense of joy at some point to have all this money that they could invest and use and be inspired to use and see it grow in profit I should imagine there's quite a bit of fun with that if you're confident in what you can do I believe that whilst we wait for our Lord it shouldn't be something that consumes us with anxiety and fear but it's something that should fill us with joy knowing that we have this certain hope this certain future that Jesus could return any time and the gift of the gospel that we share is a gift of of joy a gift of hope a gift of peace a gift of knowing God himself the gift we share with others is huge and it's a blessing, it's not a curse. So I think as well why we wait should be a time of taking the life and enjoying it to the full as much as we're able to in each circumstance. I hope that God's word tonight might help us as we wait for Christ's return. May we really seek God about how we can serve him as we begin to slowly reopen RBC. May you have a real sense of God's calling over you and that he might fill you with renewed passion to serve him here. I pray that we'd have a, be inundated this week with phone calls about people wanting to volunteer their service in different areas across the church. But let's be ready. Let's be prepared as we await our Lord's return. How? By serving him in joy, by taking hold of that investment and allowing God's Holy Spirit to use that which is entrusted into our hearts. He has called us. He has equipped us. I pray that this week you'd have a real sense of knowing God's calling and direction over your life.
Amen. We're going to continue in our worship, hopefully in a response as we sing together Victor's Crown. you wear the victor's crown you're my help and my defender you're my savior and my friend by your grace i live and breathe to worship you at the mention of your greatness in your name i will bow down in your presence fear is silent for you wear the victor's crown let your glory fill this temple, let your power overflow, by your grace I live and breathe to worship you.
you have hopefully received your notice sheet. We say this every week, don't we? We hope that you've received your notice sheet, and we do. And if you haven't and you're new to us, can I encourage you to email into the office or go to the Contact Us page on the website on which you're watching this this evening. And uh, just ask for the notice sheet to be sent out, and you can find out all that's going on during this week. There's the opportunity to gather Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And uh, from this week, uh, we'll be gathering on Sunday morning in person. Don't forget to pre-book in, although Sunday evening will remain online only. And uh, on Wednesday too, the lunchtime service is back. Pre-book to come in for that half hour moment in the middle of our week to pause and to reflect. There is our new wellbeing course. And I'm going to encourage you now to uh, watch this video. And please don't think this is for people who may be struggling. This is a course that is for us all, as you will hear. Hello. How are you? No, I mean, really, how are you? It's one of those questions, isn't it, that we often ask one another without actually listening to the answer. We say we couldn't be greater, or we couldn't be better, or we're marvellous. Or maybe on a bad day, we say we're okay, or we're fine. But actually, so often we're not okay. We don't want to say that we're not, because actually we don't think anyone's really interested in us, or we're not that important. We're convinced by the lie that Christians should never have problems. And so, to say that we are, to show that we're struggling, we seem to think is a sign of weakness, a lack of faith. And somehow that equates to an even bigger sense of our own failures. But these lies are not of God. They're not biblical, they're not healthy. We all have struggles. It's the message that we've heard repeatedly again. And at the moment, after this last year that we've had, that's even more true than ever it was before. Let's be honest, we do have struggles. And if maybe we have none, and I struggle to believe that is the case, we certainly know others who may. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to be running the wellbeing course. And this is to help us look at ourselves and our own wellbeing, as well as looking out for one another. Here's a taster. The Wellbeing Journey is an eight-part series where we look at every aspect of our wellbeing, from our mindset, emotional, physical, relational, spiritual, vocational, and financial wellbeing. Join us as we travel around the country in these minis, talking to teachers and experts to address every area of our wellbeing together. And so the subjects include things like our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being, our relational well-being, our financial well-being, our vocational well-being. And so I want to invite you to join us online as once again we consider our own well-being, but also the well-being of our friends or our colleagues or our relatives, our families. We're going to be looking each week at videos and then breaking out into small groups to discover together and discuss and talk. We're going to learn about the hope that comes from scripture and we're going to pray into situations and to, into our struggles. 
We'll watch the teaching together before breaking into those small groups. And hopefully by joining and sharing and learning, we'll be better equipped, not only to help others, but also to help ourselves, to maintain our own health and well-being. But also through learning together, we were going to be able to help others better because we'll have a better understanding of what is going on. How perhaps if we're struggling in one area of our life, then that will impact on another. And so we consider this a really vital course at this point in time. So much so that the staff team have already begun to share and to work through this course together. We recognise that all of us have a need to look after our own well-being as well as trying to encourage others in their day-to-day -day life, particularly after all that's happened over the last 12 months or so. And so join us, if you can, starting on Wednesday the 10th of March online. And let us know if you'd like to come, because actually we need to know in advance to make sure we've got enough people there to help and equip us as we do this journey together. Let us know when we'll send you the link into your inbox or watch out for the link in the notice sheet in the coming week. Thank you. I'll see you there. So thank you for being with us this evening. We look forward to whether we see you in church next Sunday morning or online and you'll watch from your home or wherever you're able to view it or on Wednesday during the week when the service is on or on any of our midweek meetings or as one of the youngsters perhaps enjoying, joining in some of the activities that Hannah and her team have put together. We pray that you have a really blessed week. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, both now and forevermore. Amen. And hopefully you'll enjoy this piece of music as our screens shut down and whatever else you have on this evening, you will know that God is with you. God bless you. Good night. I stand in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And I wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned only Sing that again, I stand to me I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. In your presence, Lord. And I wonder how he could love me. I said,
marvelous. How marvelous. 